welcome, welcome. Another year, 2022, Benjakai is here. Thank you, everybody, for being along with this. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with me all these times. This is year three of what we're doing. It's a whole week of discussions deal with creatives. It's art, design, development. This whole thing got started because me and a lot of friends would meet up during the Comic-Con period, and we would talk about different different topics. And I never got the discussions that I got during Comic-Con and during con season about things anywhere else except for that time. So I started doing this thing called BenjaCon. It actually started from before where I would just talk to people at the cons, at conventions, around conventions. We'd say, hey, this thing came out. This new thing is happening. What's going on with all of you? And basically, it just spawned a, a whole discussion series. We started getting together online, doing a few of these, and then it became this. I wanted to keep these discussions going on. So that's what's happening. Today, we have Omar Ortega, old friend of mine, ran into him at a Comic-Con. We kind of immediately hit it off and I contacted him online after we met up and he just kept in contact. A lot of people don't do that. So you meet cool people, you got to do your networking thing. And I think Omar is a great person to talk about that. He's, he's done network marketing. He's a classic gamer, retro gamer, some would say, totally into the scene. He digs music, wrestling. So a lot of the areas we kind of vibe on and we're going to have them on today. So hopefully there'll be no technical issues. You know what I'm saying? How's it going? How's it going? It's going good, my man. Going good. Good seeing you, man. Great to see you too. Yeah. It's like everybody does their own passing little thing on Instagram and social media, but actually stopping to talk. It's a, it's a cool thing and I still enjoy it. Definitely, man. Did you make it out to Comic-Con this weekend? I did not make it out to Comic-Con, man. I did not go this year. The pandemic thing was still happening and I had a few things in the air and I was like, you know what? Let me let this one go. I'll jump back into it when the Long Beach Comic-Con comes around. Mm -hmm. Much, much smaller event. So that's not exciting. I want to hear about what happened. Did you, did you go? You're in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I haven't missed one since 1994. That's what's up. Keeping the streak. Yeah, yeah. It's been the street since I was 12. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, tell us a little bit about it. Your just overall experience, uh, you're back in action. As it was off for the last two years or one year? Two. It was off for two years, but I mean, I celebrated it at the house. I mean, I did my own mm -hmm. Comic Con in 2020 and 2020, 2021. I mean, However, I, I don't know if you heard that they did one in November, the special edition. I. That got so little airplay yeah. that I didn't even follow it. Yeah, yeah. Here's the badge for it. Nice. Special edition. And you go. And what's, what's crazy about this one is I think it was a test run for the one they did now. Because mm. it was about a tenth of the crowd. So the crowd, as far as like the space at the convention, it felt like I was back in 1995. Like it was like very little people, but everything was still there. It was okay. like amazing. You could do cartwheels. You could like flap your arms around it was like all this space there was chairs places to eat like you could actually sit down at a table and there was chairs where you could just have a seat and not have to like you know push somebody around or to yeah get... yeah yeah <laughs> oh that's wild that must have been refreshing just uh a really relaxing way of doing it it was just really different and then this year it was full blown. Like it was all the way back to how it used to be, the crowds, everything, the energy, the enthusiasm. The only difference I would say was the masks. But outside of that, it was okay. You know, just and, and the masks weren't even a problem because during the 2021 convention they had the mm -hmm. masks too. But because it wasn't so crowded, it wasn't hot. And this right. one, it was so crowded, it was really hot with the mm -hmm. masks on. So I don't know what they're gonna do for next year. Okay. Now with um what was that procedure pretty straightforward and clean? I know they like to keep it orderly, but I saw pictures of like the, you know, the check-in line where you had to do your safety check. All you know, if you were organized about that, they were doing the safety check thing a day or two before the convention. Like there was different spots around San Diego where you could go and okay. you would, you would just show them either like a negative test or your vaccine card or whatever. And they give you a wristband. So you could actually bypass that whole thing a day or two before the convention. So then you just walked in at that point. But there are people that did it 
on the spot and that's where the lines happen. But if you did it early, like we do, okay. then we just walked right in. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's why I rock with you. You're an organized guy. You've got the whole, <laughs> the, I, I love what you do, man. It kills me. So was there anything that really jumped out at you at the con that you were like, Hey, I didn't expect this. This was awesome. I was glad it was, I was here to see this. Just for me being into like wrestling, I thought it was pretty cool seeing Chris Jarrett, mm. seeing that all elite wrestling crew hanging around Comic-Con. I thought that was really cool. The Rock showed up, which I thought was pretty random. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't advertised, but he just showed up. That attempt to me this year, it, it, well, I'll tell you why, because for the last month, I've actually been in pro wrestling school. I actually decided to go ahead and give it a try and, and learn how to pro wrestle. So I signed myself up. I'm, I'm going to level up wrestling here in San Diego. Exceptional teachers, exceptional everything. The professionals there are great. So, so right now my eyes were set on that, even at Comic-Con, just anytime I saw anything pro wrestling related, it was just like bringing me in because that's what I'm doing right now. That's wild. Do people know about this or is this like, no, this is a total exclusive. I haven't mentioned this <laughs> anywhere, anything. So if anybody's watching this, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to school to learn, to be a pro wrestler. That is very awesome, my man. And yeah, you spent, said, uh, people who, anybody watching right now, just uh, jumped in live. Cool. We've got Jill Bean, Adrian Plaza. We've got Crystal 619, Ariel Love, the, the, there, Bellstrom, JS3812. Glad to have you all. Hey, if you guys have any questions or anything, throw them down in the comments. We'll get to them as we, as we see them, but congratulations, man. That is a great thing. I love it. Cause I've seen your gym shots and I was like, Thank okay, it's dudes doing the gym some more. All right. We're getting back to it. Yeah. The gym thing, I, I, I just wanted to do it for health reasons, but then with the pro wrestling thing, that was always bucket list since I was young and it just never, you know, you, you just never get around to certain things. And then, you know, you're getting older and you're thinking, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Right. So, so we just wrapped up speaking of that, cause I'm, I'm all about different projects, but we just wrapped up our latest music project, which is a group project mm -hmm. for my group called Sky Tower Click. So we just wrapped that up. It's in the mixing and mastering process now. And then we deliver it to the label soon. And then, you know, all this is happening around the same time. So now it's like on to the next project. It's like diving in, learning a new craft. I'm learning so much. I'll tell you what, so much respect now for celebrities that made pro wrestling look somewhat smooth hmm. because it is one of the most difficult things as far as like your mindset goes, like your body doesn't naturally do the things that happen in pro wrestling. So mm -hmm. you really have to have a strong mindset to tell yourself, I want to fall like this. Like I want yeah. to purposely fall down right now. You know, I like the, what you're putting your body through is not a normal thing there. So, yeah. so I, I would say that that that's been mind blowing, man, but just onto the next project is how I see it. After this, I'll probably start working on a solo album after this, a follow up to my last one. Okay. Nice. I did stand up comedy for a couple of years that's as kind of, that's kind of a bucket list thing where it's like, um, it's funny. I got into it because a friend of mine, what I he was a humorous guy, yeah. but it's like in a crowd and around people, I didn't think he was that funny. Right. So I hear him. He's like, yeah, I'm doing the stand-up comedy performance with this guy, this guy, and this other guy. We're going to do it at the Ramada Inn. there's a whole little ballroom there. It's going to be great. You should come watch. And I'm thinking, you ain't funny, but you know, I, really, <laughs> this was me being a hater, right? Cause I didn't, I didn't, I was hating on everything at the time. He's a good friend of mine. His name is John Mile. We, we rock with each other, but this was me and my hater mindset. Like he can do it. I know I can do it. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was like that uh, king of the world. I'm good at everything kind of mindset at the time. So he's actually funny. I was just thinking that in my head, but, but yeah, I started going to do stand up comedy and it was like the stuff you learn, the stuff you just figure out about, oh, okay. There's that really initial part where anybody can just jump up to like, yeah, I can stand in the ring. I can do this or whatever. And then there's that next curve. That's like really steep where it's like, okay, I really don't know what's going on and I need to figure stuff out. Yeah. I'll tell you what day one was the most humbling experience. It was like mm -hmm. a two hour, like hell day. Mm. It was just, it was just like this, the most brutal workout routine that I'd ever experienced. And I'd already been working out. I already had a personal trainer. So I was already yeah, somewhat yeah. used to being put through something like that. 
but I mean, like halfway through it, I was like questioning, like, man, can I, can I keep up with this? Like, this is crazy, you know, but by the, I think that two weeks after that, it was literally like two weeks of those types of exercises. Then we were allowed to enter the ring after two weeks of those type of brutal workouts. Oh, okay. We couldn't even enter the ring up until that point. Now wow. we're doing, now we're learning stuff in the ring. Mm, I see. Oh, that's a, that sounds pretty intense, man. They make it seem so, you know, easy on TV. They do that quick little montage, you know, where it's just like you run a few laps and then everyone's tired. And it's like, now you're wrestlers. Mm-mm, no, no, no. Like I have, as I watch wrestling now, I have a total different respect for the little things now. Stuff that looked easy. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, dude, that is so tough. Like that is so crazy. Cause I'm in the process of learning the most basic of things. And it's not easy work whatsoever. All right. So what do you do to push your mind through that? To like say, you know, I'm gonna do this, I'm getting into this. This is how do you get your mind to commit? Because I know a lot of people like to just dabble with stuff and then they fall off very easily. I learned from one of my mentors that finishing project is a habit, just like quitting is a habit. So you get to pick, pick your habit. So if, if you start stuff, you might as well finish it. Otherwise you start to, you're, it's like subconsciously, you're now accepting that when something's a little tough, you quit. Like that's a part of who you become eventually, or, you know, I have to see it through. And for me, my motivation was my daughter. I really want my daughter to see me have one match in the ring. That was like, minimum bare minimum i have to finish this because my daughter had to see me in the ring one time at least well that's very cool yeah we uh, we spoke a little bit about your your daughter being an inspiration on the last one when you did the whole comic-con at home that's that's very powerful man i totally appreciate that and uh, that's why i always uh, you know make sure i put down family man whenever i put down your you know your accolades there appreciate them i do, I do my best you know i want to give my daughter the best experience i can Awesome. Awesome. So uh, not only are you doing the, the wrestling thing, but I, I saw the last little video at Luna games, the retro gaming spot. That's a, I'm wondering how I missed that all the, all the time I spent in San Diego and I missed Luna games. I guess I was just off and everywhere, but retro games, what's that? Uh, how's that? What's that connection for you? Okay. So if it wasn't for retro games, I would have never gotten into music like that. That was everything when people were like, I, I think we meant, talked about it before when people were listening to regular music, I was listening mm-hmm. to video game music and I was mm-hmm. hooking up like a tape player to my Nintendo with the AV cables and recording it on like a set tape so that I could play the music later. I didn't know that would eventually become a thing where it's like on CDs and now people can go see live orchestras and all that. But when I was like 12, 13, I just wanted to hear the music again. You know, yes. so, so the retro thing stayed with me because of it, like even the style of the, the sounds that the old Nintendo and super Nintendo made to me, there's nothing like it. Yes. So I stay with it and, and I'm just now opening my heart to the Sega Genesis sounds. I was, I was never the biggest fan of their soundboard, mm-hmm. but I'm just now opening my heart to it a little bit. It's different. It's, it was different. Yeah, it, it was different. It was almost like a different synthesizer or whatever they were using, but. I think Sonic 2 soundtrack got me into Sega. So now I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with the Sonic, with the Sega soundboard at this point now. But so Luna Games is one, and there's actually two locations. One about five minutes from me here in La Mesa, and there's one in Imperial Beach. There's also this really cool place called Calico Games. I don't know if you heard of that one. Nothing. Calico Games is if you could mix a Luna Games like mom and pop store with more of a closer to like a GameStop experience. It's like a, it's like a mashup of both. Cause it has like, it has them the way, it, the way it's set up, it's more like a GameStop, but it has that mom and pop video game feel still. It's called Calico Games. I believe that is like Mira Mesa. I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Then there's Game Raid by the sports arena. I don't know if you heard of that one, but that one's a collector spot. Like if you're, I think I remember that one. Yeah. 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 And if there's a game you're looking for and you just can't find it anywhere, period. Chances are they have it at Game Raid. It might be a little bit more expensive, but they'll have it. Yeah. So uh, this is a, has been a passion of yours. And I, I love when people take what, what they know as a passion and then merge it into how they look at life and how they flow. I think a lot of people have a, it seems like they have a separation between, well, I like this one thing, but I can't, I can't put it into my life. It's just over here in this box. And I never. 
not that I didn't like it. I just didn't understand it. I'm like, yeah, that's your passion. There's something in there that you can flow with, you know, like, like my brother was always into, you know, poking at bugs. And, you know, if he found like a dead animal or something, he'd be like, hold on, on, let's check this out. And, you know, decades later, you know, he's a transplant surgeon and it's, it's just kind of his flow. Right. And yeah, when I tell people like, yeah, I did video games and they're like, oh yeah, we, we get it. We, it's, it's totally your thing. So with your passion, was there ever, was there ever any question about like, you, you know, you said you were going into uh you didn't think that the, you know, messing with the game audio would lead to what you're doing now. Was there any question of like, well, Hey, hold on a second. I should get serious. I should leave that over here. Or was it always just like, no, this is how I'm going or, or whatever. Well, I'll say when my rap career started, I wanted to fuse the, the video game sounds into my music initially, but I could, at the time, I couldn't get any producer in San Diego to understand what I was trying to do. I think they thought it was silly, mm-hmm. especially because at the time, West Coast rap was really strong at the time. Yeah. So it, whenever I would present the idea, it was kind of like, eh, they weren't too enthusiastic about it. So I went the more traditional route and I did a group album that was more of a West Coast album. Then when I went to my solo album, that itch came back. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I, there's got to be a way to do this. So two producers, Mac Villain and Delano Sounds, yeah. they they figured it out. They, we're, both, we're both in the comments here. Thank you. Awesome. What's up to both of y'all? So they both figured it out. Mac Villain, Delano Sounds, they really figured out what I was trying to go for. And they found how to fuse the video game sounds authentically in a way that I felt was the way I would have wanted with the right beats per minute. And it just nailed it. And I was able to do my album 8-Bit Boy which I felt that's who I was. I was like, I'm so consumed by the 8-Bit stuff. I, I, the album's gonna be called 8-Bit Boy. That's what the album's yeah. called, you know? So at the, there's a sequel that's in the works for that. And because it's gonna be stepping up to the next thing, I might go with Super Nintendo sounds now because it's gonna be a mm. sequel. So I wanna upgrade the hardware musically too. So tentatively the album is called Rad, which is, in a, is an acronym for research and development. So it's gonna be a Super Nintendo based sound. With yeah. the more grown theme than the than the last one, because just like the hardware upgraded, I want me to do the same. I like it. Go from eight to sixteen bit. So I'm going to guess. I'm, I'm going to guess you're SNES over Genesis from what I'm here. Okay. Yeah, I I have the Genesis one, two, and three, but they're not hooked up the way the Super Nintendo is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what what did you play on the Super Nintendo? Link to the Past was one of my favorites. Okay. Mega Man X was a surprise favorite of mine. I got that one on accident. It was one of those where my parents had given me a choice to buy a video game at the store and they put a $20 limit on it. Like, you can get okay. like any game that's 20 bucks. And I was at Toys R Us and I was like, I don't know what this Mega Man X thing is, but it's 1999. Yeah. So I went for that and it was a surprise. I had no idea it'd be a classic, but... Had you, had you been on Mega Maybe. Man before that? The old school ones, but never X. Okay. Okay. Because X was like the more modern one for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Some different for, moves and things. Yeah. Everything about it was different. It was more like, I don't want to say rock and roll, but it was more intense, right? Mm-hmm. The vibe of it and everything. But the old ones, I liked Mega, like all the classic Mega Man. Those are cool. But X, yeah, that blew me away. Yeah. Do you remember UN Squadron? I, uh, I know what you're talking about, but I didn't play it. How was it? Yeah. That game. That game touched me because I was just like, this, this stuff is, it had that anime feel to it. Like the whole setup, you had the little guy saying, Hey, they're attacking us. And a little anime head would pop up and talk to you. And so it was cool. Right. And the thing about it though, was I went home and plugged it up to my, my big TV, right? My, not my TV, but my parents, big TV, you know, the big cathode ray joint and too heavy for anybody to lift. Right. But I, I, I moved it so I could get to the wire to plug the super Nintendo up. And that's when I really appreciated video game sound. I mean, I liked it before, but you in squadron, I would go back and listen to that soundtrack because some of those songs and beats in there were just hidden. Oh, you hearing that Delano? I think Delano is on. <laughs> UN Squadron. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm at the yeah, it, I, I'm it, sure I have it. I have to check. Uh, yeah, it was fascinating. It took me back to a lot of, because I started relating like a lot of their music into some production I was hearing at the, you know, you start getting up into like the, 
the late nineties, you start thinking back, like, wait a minute, these producers are being influenced by a lot of this music. And I started picking up on stuff from Timbaland, obviously just, just blaze. I know he had some ideas in there from video games, mm -hmm. Manny fresh, the way he was mixing, like the dirty South mm -hmm. guitar kind of riffs with these weird video game sounds. Like I'm, I'm listening to it. I'm like, you took that straight from doom and no one's found out yet. No one's found it out. Uh, you know, I'm like, I know it. Maybe I shouldn't have outed him like that, but hopefully <laughs> no one will find out. But yeah, there was this a whole wave of like, I'm picking through music and I started hearing it from people like Wiz Khalifa actually putting out songs, XV and, and all these other, all these other people. And it's like, I don't know. They never really said it straightforward. I think Wiz was the most straightforward with it. Like, yeah, this is coming from video games, but you were seeing a lot of that influence of music, of uh, video games into music. And I think that started to lead to, I think I sent you like a video kill the radio star. Mm, yeah, I, th yeah. I think around that era and, and let me know if I'm crazy here or not, but you know, video came out and people were like, oh, you're just on the radio. I need to see you now. And then you go from that to kind of the mixtape era where it's like, well, hey, we're getting all these mixtapes passed around and there are some sites you can, you know, download and Napster and MySpace started happening. And then there was like, okay, well, you were on the video, but you're not underground and on the internet like these guys. You're not on the blogs. You're not on the FTP sites. Okay. That kind of started to blend into, you know, more of the social media aspect. And, you know, where you get your, your little bees, where you get your, you know, people who are just like coming out of nowhere and they've got this soldier boy, the big social media following. And that's so far removed from just like standard radio. Totally. What, what are your thoughts on like this whole social? And let me know if I got any of that kind of wrong or anything you don't want to add to no, it, but you're good. what are your thoughts on that whole, the whole social media as you know, a musician's outlet or as a way to connect with the fans, just some impressions on it. Cause I think it's very interesting. Yeah. I'm totally cool with it. I think if anything, it gave people freedom because before I would, I would imagine that, especially in the early nineties or even the late nineties, if you didn't have a deal, you just weren't going to get hurt unless you were hand to hand. So the, mm -hmm. the, the, the digital aspect of putting out a record now, and it could be played in Japan tonight that that just was it was it was physically impossible in the 90s where 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 something could be uploaded right now you share it on social media it starts to get likes it starts to get views and it's global around the world germany brazil wherever they're seeing it they're commenting if anything i think it's up for grabs right now that if people really want it it's available and that's a good thing okay yeah i think so too man it's it's been such a such a wild ride and i love I love the upheaval almost where it's like, yeah, we think we got something going on. And then it's like some kid shows up and he's like doing it his own way. Yeah. People are vibing with that. I think that's where creativity, you know, lies a lot of times where it's just, you're seeing people with all these internet tools, software tools, and they can just kind of go try out anything and see what works with their audience. I, I agree with that. I also, I'm also seeing a resurgence of the physical product, but I'm seeing it from from I, I'm gonna just I'll put it out there like this. BTS is killing it so much right now with mm. the physical albums. Kids, okay, there's what is it like seven members of BTS, seven or eight members of the group. Right. So 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 they'll release an album. Seven different album covers of the same album and the fans buy the same album seven times. Yeah, yeah. Right? But they don't have CD players. Kids. They're like kids, bro. Yeah. So, so this is what I've been talking to people and having conversations about. Okay. So the CD, it's either, it's either an old technology or product you're selling. It's just like an autographed picture. Like if I go to Comic-Con and I'm meeting the Undertaker mm. and he's selling me a $25 Polaroid and I'm signing it and he's signing it. Like, great. Here's $25. What's the difference between that? And me giving you a physical version of a digital album on a CD in a case with a book with pictures that we can sign for $25. Yeah. 
it's like it's the exact same concept and BTS figured it out because inside of every album there's a little picture Polaroid of a group member inside of the albums. They got it figured out completely. So they're still selling CDs at forty dollars a pop. Yeah. That's a lot. Seven versions of. Yeah. So I've actually been having a current like like almost like I'm almost torn in my mind where I feel that we forgot just how we just forgot how to market things in the United States. It's almost like it's because I'm looking at the world is still selling physical posters. They're still mm-hmm. selling the CDs. They're still selling products. While I hear a lot of the artists out here more talking about the downside of it. Like, oh, people don't do this anymore. People don't buy that anymore. But what's the value? Like, are we just selling a CD with a slim case and a picture? Or are yeah, we giving yeah. the fan something they can be fans over? Like, right. a book that tells them about you, that has the lyrics, that has some pictures, yeah. like, you know, how do you become a fan in the first place? Exactly. And I think it's, it's appropriate to, and now, the, and now I think this is where a lot of confusion is, you know, people had assumed, well, this is how you're supposed to do it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, well, if you want, you come out with an album, you come out with a t-shirt and then there's blah, blah, blah. You do all the blah, blah, you know, there's a certain process. And now people are like, well, we're not just buying into you doing whatever. We're going to buy into you creating something that makes sense for you. Exactly. And I've learned this at a, I learned that at Rockstar Games where they would just create some weird ass products and they would sell out. I was like, what are they doing? This is, this is weird. Who wants this? And of course it would all sell out. And so I started watching that in in like uh, the musicians, the people who were just using the internet to create the more independent vibe and the ones who really rocked it, like really connected with their base, with their products. A hundred percent. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, yeah, of course, Mega Ran, you know him. Of course. Uh, He's killing yeah. He was just featured on the new uh, Ninja Turtles video game soundtrack. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. That whole thing where it's like. You know, you're connecting with your bass. He released a, a blue vinyl album. I forgot what he called it, but it was sick when he showed the pictures. It was like the bluest blue that, that Mega Man Bomber blue. And he yeah. tore out the package and I was like, yo, I don't care what, you know, album person you're talking to, but when you pull out something that blue and just that, you're going to be like, Hey, what's that about? I need that. Yeah. Did you listen to his last album, the Live 95? I want to say I, I started on it, but I was in bad shape at the time. And okay. I mean, I was just like, you know, I was, wasn't sleeping well and all this. I was running, doing some things and I didn't, I don't remember it. So I was like, you know what? I pressed play. I think I passed out and fell asleep or something, you know, but Man, it was really good. It was really okay. good. I, I was looking forward to it just in general. I'm not the biggest sports fan. So the cover was like, it was cool for me. I get it. Like if you were into like the old school Madden or the NBA games on Genesis, it kind of had that vibe to it. Yeah. But the music, oh my God, the music overall. I mean, I started listening to some of the nerdcore artists, but that album really was nice. It's a really good record, the Live 95. All right. I'll definitely, I'll definitely check that out, man. I mean, like uh, with, with interest, you know. Yeah, and it's not and it's not really a video game themed album. It's just more of like an album about his life and stuff, which I thought that was interesting in itself. It's yeah. not really the video game. Thing. Right, right. Yeah, and when artists can jump back and forth like that, I, it totally works to me as long as they're being authentic. Mm-hmm. We were talking to some people about their brand, you know, their their personal brand. You know, who are you? What do you do? How do people know you? What are you impressing on people? And th- that thing came up where it's like, well, I'm trying to present this. But then I'm going on this trip and we're talking to like, Hey, you know, post about the post about the trip. You travel often enough where that should be part of your brand. Well, I don't know. I'm not a travel Mm. blogger. It's like, yeah, I know you're not a travel blogger, but it's part of what you do. So, you know, they're into finance and everything. So I'm like, if you're in this area, just say, Hey, we're talking about finance. I'm here at blah, 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 blah. And you relate your travel to your finance and it starts to make sense because it's authentic. Right. I don't know. I think many people kind of shy away from, you know, being authentic in some cases. And I don't know too many areas where it just really goes wrong. 
Yeah, well, I feel like that's what happened with the Luna Games video that we did, where I feel like that was 100% what I would talk about if I was just hanging out with a friend, like, hey, let's go to Luna Games and let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's why that video was a special video for me. And I think we're going to be doing more of those, like the different video game spots. There's a place in Mexico that I want to show people where, where I go to get like rare video games, but not too many people know about that. And it'd be interesting to get a camera in there. Mm, nice. Nice. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny cause you, when you start to, you start to cross pollinate in ways that you don't expect and you know, you, you do the network marketing. So you understand the power of this mm -hmm. where you know, you're talking, oh, and in fact, we, you know, we've got that cross-pollination thing going on. It's like, oh, you're into games and music. Okay, well, that leads to this. And hey, wait a minute, wrestling? Oh, man, you know. Exactly. I love when DDP was doing that, you know, we can talk about these different things. So I definitely think that works. And uh, real quick, I want to shout out a, a comment there that went by a long time ago. He said the Hulk Hogan leg drop was the best leg, best finishing move ever. What is, a lot, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of weight. Hogan <laughs> was a heavy guy. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was a heavy guy. And it, it, it was a good finisher. However, I think Hogan regrets it now. I've heard yeah. stories that he's got a, a really messed up back because of how many times he did the leg drop. Oh, dang. Like he really took, like he personally was taking the damage from it. He, the, the opponents were kind of getting it, but he was taking the worst end of it. Hmm. It's a, all that, all that weight was on his tailbone when he was landing. Yeah, it was, yeah. Every time, yeah. So I guess he's got back issues now because of it. But the dude was over 300 pounds. That can't be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have a uh, a favorite finisher? Big into Razor Ramon. So the Razor's Edge was always my favorite. Yeah. Now, how did how did that go again? That's where he picked him up. Yeah, like... he, picked, he picked you up, and then he had you behind, picked you up, mm -hmm. and then just brought you down. Bah. Yeah, so you're back to back. That was an interesting one. I, I I do definitely remember it stood out for me. I think the I think I liked. Oh gosh, what was his name? It was the young kid who had like the reverse DDT that he'd always jump in and do it. He was part of Raven's crew. Billy, Billy Kidman. Kidman. Billy Kidman. <laughs> Billy Kidman. Yeah, for some reason I just really liked the way he did his uh, his finisher and he had the backflip and everything. Do you remember Mortis? Vaguely. Yeah. Mortis. I do remember Mortis. I don't remember anything about him though. He was Chris Canyon, but with the makeup kind of had like mm -hmm. that dark look. Yeah. I wish they would have done more with him. I know when, when he left WCW and went to WWF. Okay. He, they changed the character so that he didn't have all that outfit on, but I felt like he could have been, I think he could have been just as big as like an Undertaker character, but they never, they never utilized it for whatever reason. I was trying to figure out how he, how he fit. Like. He just came out and suddenly it was like Mortis. And I was like, oh, okay, well. He fit because at the time Glacier was there and he had, he had that Mortal Kombat look. Right, right, so he right. Was like, he was like Sub-Zero and Mortis had a scorpion kind of look, like a reptile kind of look. And I, I see. That's what they were for was that Mortal Kombat look. Yeah. Well, I don't think it clicked. <laughs> the shooting star. There goes the name of it. Billy Kidman had a shooting star. Oh. Cause he would like run off the side of the, uh, the skirt of the ring and do the backflip. Yeah. I'm not learning that. I don't want to learn that. <laughs> that, was, that was wild. That is too wild. I, I'm not doing that one. Shout out to Billy Kidman. Yeah. And so we've been talking about, uh, you know, like marketing, moving your stuff out there, getting with people. It, it's really insane right now, just in terms of like the media companies, these you know, platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. How are you, how are you vibing with all of this that's going on right now? All of these different outlets and channels and trying to get attention. So one thing that we decided to do, because we were completely independent previously, previous to this record that we're putting out now. So we were utilizing social media, obviously it's evolving. So we have to evolve with it. However, we decided to sign a deal and we partnered up with a company called Thump Records. And Thump Records has distribution through Universal Music Group and Virgin Music. So our music, our next project's going to be distributed through Universal Music Group and Virgin Music. So just having their ear, because we're going to present the album to them, we're going to present the videos to them. So they have a different reach that's more traditional, but it's global. Like they already have their markets. They, I, I get reports from like a, an artist named Kevin Ray that, that works with us, and we released his album last year. I get certain reports here and there about how many plays and how many streams he's getting in different countries that I'm like, 
there's no other way that I would have known that like Poland or like someplace in Germany or like this or that would be listening to the music on a mm. satellite uh, on their television or on yeah. all these different channels. So we went, we're doing a mix of both. We're going the traditional route as far as with a record label. We, but we created our own, we have our own entity with it. We have our own, our own label. So we're able to do the music that we want, but we're still utilizing social media, being that Thump Records has a social media person that's a liaison to Universal too. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to use it all like a toolbox, like whatever we can do digitally, but partnered with someone that has experience with physical and somewhere in there with the release of this album, hopefully in the next month or two, we can see a release for it. We can see if we can just unite all that together and do something with it. Okay. No, that sounds like a, that sounds like a good plan because yeah, a lot, I know a lot of people, they only do like one platform and then mm. uh, we were talking, I forgot the guy's name, but he was, he was betting everything on Google and YouTube basically. Mm. And he ended up having an argument in the YouTube comments and it got pretty spicy enough to the point where they disabled his Google account. Oh, not, not just his YouTube account, his whole Google, Google account. He lost his Google Drive, Google Docs, all the stuff he had been working on. They re they reinstated it at some point and he got some of it back. But that that blow was just like, oh, oh, you you might have you might need to have needed to been on traditional as well and you know, had your own base and made sure you know you didn't have a single point of failure basically. But uh, well, absolutely. That's why I'm excited about the physical stuff. I'm really yeah. excited because I feel like that's a mistake we did the, the first the first time we put out a group album. We were doing shows, but we didn't have enough merch and CDs to make mm -hmm. something out of it. I think it was cool for exposure, but this time around, we definitely learned our lesson. Now we know not, not only to to utilize social media, but as far as when you're at the show, having something you can offer for people to follow you on social media by offering them something, like giving them something maybe at the door in exchange for that following, mm -hmm. connecting with them more, being able to, as soon as you're done performing, having something, having some type of product where I feel that's, I would think that's the biggest mistake a lot of artists are doing right now is that they're still doing shows just to do the show. And then once the show's over, they go home and it was just another night. Like it, it but n nothing, nothing happened. There's no transaction. There was no follow. There was no mm -hmm. connection, but I feel that this time we're doing it with intention, with a strategy that we're, we're just going in with a whole different belief level and a whole different strategy this time. Right. And uh, I guess your, your marketing background helps with that, right? It does. It does because it, it did give me a different insight on just how to get a product into a person's hands. Just, it was something that I didn't have experience before, but network marketing, I think it was Robert Kiyosaki. It might've been a few other individuals in the business world that recommended that people should try a network marketing company at some point in their life, because it is a free education. Like everything that you learn in network marketing, mm -hmm. is something you would learn in a business school or something. I've read so many business books that almost everything that, that happens to be the main topic of the book is something that I learned for free in network marketing. And sometimes a network marketing company could be like $50 to get into that company or like a hundred, 200, 500, whatever the, whatever the fee is. Yeah. The point, the point is they, they give you these recommended audios and these recommended books or like YouTube videos. And they're like, listen to this, listen to this. And this is coming from established millionaires that made millions in that field saying, this is how I got my mindset correct. And you can utilize this. So, so I've been soaking that up for years and saying, dang, I wish I would have got all this when I first started doing music. But it's fine. Like to me, I'm like, okay, well, I got it now. We're in position now. We did a new album. We signed this deal now. Let's put all this together. All the talents of our, our, our producer, like Mac Villain, which is also an artist in the group. And then Hustle Mac, the three of us mm -hmm. putting our heads together. But utilizing whatever I learned from network marketing that does apply to the music industry. Because a lot of it does. It's, very, yeah. it's actually very, very similar to the music industry. Okay. Cause that's a lot of, I think a lot of developers, and this is where I'm coming from, which is part of partly why I'm doing this podcast, this, the way I'm doing this thing right now is because I started out as a pure creator developer and that's its own thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you've got your build, maintain, acquire, release, and this whole way of constructing a product, making it better, tightening it up, getting your skills. And at some point I realized, wait a minute, that I'm missing a lot of components. What are these finance guys up to? What are these marketing guys up to? 
And then I started hearing about sales, public relations, branding, marketing, advertising, you know, social media management. And I got like overwhelmed. And this was, this was like a, over a decade ago. I'm like, holy crap, I don't know anything. And I started hanging around all the marketing people at the company, mm -hmm. the, you know, the sales people at the company, like, Hey, what are you doing all day? He's like, well, no, I'm talking with these guys from Sony and we're going to do this and that. And you just start to pick up on like, oh, I guess that is a thing. You know, you, you know, you start learning from, from these people who are coming at it from a completely different angle. Totally. And I think that's what a lot of creators have been missing. So, you know, that's one reason I'm definitely glad to have you on is because you understand that things like network marketing, how they can push people into understanding the other side of the coin. Exactly. It, it, it's so much, it, 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 I can say it completely changed my life. Like from a mindset level, I'm not, I'm not the same guy I was back then. It definitely elevated the way I think and process things. And I feel my best, I feel like even musically, like my best work came out on this album because of the stuff that I read in books. Hmm. Do you have any book recommendations? Any, any ones that stick out to you? There was a book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Yeah. And if you've read it, awesome. But for those of you that have not, if you don't have a true reason why you're doing something, that's the only reason you think something is hard. Or that's the only reason you don't want to get up. Like, if you tell a kid, get up for school, there's a certain way they're going to get out of bed. But if you tell a kid, hey, get up, we're going to Disneyland right now, they're going to jump out of bed. There's a different reason. There's a different why for like the wake up call. So if you can find out what that is for you, that makes you tick and makes you react that way. If you can apply that to something that you want to do, but it might seem challenging, but you add that on top of it and, you, and it's genuine, you're going to get it done. And that's something that I've been able to do. And this is why in a lot of things, I always talk about my daughter, whether it was in network marketing, I was like, okay, I want to set an example to my daughter that I can get it done. I want my daughter to see dad can make things happen. So I would have that in the forefront and like, all right, well, I'm not going to fail at this. So I would just apply myself. And now even with music or with wrestling, I want her to see me in the ring for a match. So because of that, even when things get difficult and I feel like I physically can't do something, I push myself and zone out and say, no, you're going to physically do what they're teaching you right now because you have to have that match for yeah. your daughter. Do you ever, uh, you ever listen to David Goggins? No. Nope. David Goggins is a military guy. And he just started plowing through life. And he was like, you know, my life sucks. I got to change it around. And just started, he did the hardcore route that I recommend for nobody, but fascinating guy, right? Like he just want to be a Navy SEAL. I want to run this marathon. I want to do this. And to the point where he's running without the proper nutrition and he's like falling on the side of the, you know, on the side of the trail, throwing up. And he's like, no, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. Crazy hard, crazy hardcore guy, right? He ended up finding out about what he calls it, I think the 40% whole standoff or something. But basically your body alerts you to dangers. Your mind alerts you to dangers. Yes. Well before you're actually in, in serious risk of hurting yourself. He's like, there's certain ways to read yourself where it's like, no, no, no. Your arms may hurt a little bit, but you have to know the difference between redlining getting into a, a, a good challenge and actually hurting yourself. And he's gotten to the point where he just understands his body so well. They're like, oh my God, you're doing, you know, this and that. And it just gets you into a weird, you know, zone of thinking. And as I said, definitely don't recommend it for everybody. But the thing I learned from that is that, yeah, these little pains, these little resistance, these little feelings of resistance that we add to ourselves, a lot of them we can just push through. Most of them we yeah. can push through, which is, it's, it's, the more I do things that are out of my comfort zone, I realize how much of it was just a weaker mindset that I had before. Mm -hmm. That, that little voice in your head starts to creep in and tell you, maybe this isn't for me or this is a little tough. And like you said, as long as you're not breaking anything, like as long as it's not redlining, if, it, if it's just a little bit of pain or like s something that you could push through, as long as I think your mindset, like what they say, where your mind goes, the body follows, then if your mind already sees it, then you push through that stuff. Yeah. You really do. Yeah. And I think to what you were saying as well with, you know, having your why in mind, you know, your, your body is going to 
you know, your body, your system, your mind, the way you've been living is going to say, wait, why am I doing this? No, no, I'm going to hold on to what I know. This must, this must be temporary. He's not really trying to change himself. So, okay, whatever. We'll let him do the temporary thing, but you know, we're going to make him lay down and rest for five days after we'll never see it again. And your body and mind keep throwing you all these resistance patterns because it's trying to protect you. But, but getting to that point where if you have a why, if you have a, a reason, a cause, you find those, those resistances drop way faster. You know, people are like, people are like, well, how are you doing this? And this and that. It's like, that guy has a why. That guy has a why. They're pushing ahead. They're figuring out how to do it. Their body's changing. Their mind's changing. Their diet changes. Like diet was a big one for me. And I think a friend of mine said, why do you, why are you, why are you eating this? Like, Hey, it's my little, it's my little, uh, sacrifice, my little, you know, cheat or whatever. I just like eating these cheap I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. But why are you eating? Yeah. And I was kind of like, I didn't have a good answer. And it's like, well, this was the only place that was open before. And he just started having a conversation with me about why I chose that particular thing as my cheat. I was like, well, yeah, don't you like sushi as well? I was like, yeah, I do. It's like, start doing sushi as your, you know, thing. And they're like, hey, we'll go out next week and we're, we'll have sushi instead. So instead of going out to get one of those delicious San Diego chimichangas, you know, <laughs> oh my God, I used to kill those things. So instead of going and doing that, I would go hang out with some friends, have some sushi. This, I got the same vibe from it, you yeah. know, but he made me question my why. And I ended up with a better why. You know what I mean? Mm. Why am I doing this? Hey, I get to hang out with friends. I'm, you know, keeping my body healthy and all this. So I ended up just transferring that same energy over into something better. And moves like that, that I think really keeps people going and allows us to progress. Yeah. And as speaking about the why and the weight loss, knowing that this album was going to be coming out around this time, I started hitting the gym pretty hard. Like I'd say like in October, September, I started getting pretty serious about it. But in January, I hired a personal trainer to, to work with me. And when he said, what do you want to do? Or like, what is your purpose for the personal training? And I said, well, obviously to get healthy, but I want to get performance, like in performance shape, like music video on stage, not running out of breath. I want to get physically fit because I want to be ready for an album release. So anytime I was lacking to go to the gym or, want, or feeling lazy to go to the gym, it'd be in the back of my mind. Like, you know why you need to get up. This album's coming out. It's yeah. either going to come out and you're going to be winded on stage or it's going to come out and you're going to make it happen. So I'd get up out of bed and go, get up out of bed and go. And I ended up losing about 30 pounds. Like, and I, I changed a few things about how I was eating. I changed the water intake, no diet pills or anything like that. And I just started shrinking. It just, yeah, it just started working. But that was my, my main motivation. I want, I need to get ready for the, for when this album comes out. Yeah. Then that makes a lot, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's reasons like that resonating with people, resonating with you, me, whoever, I think that really keys into how, how well something works out. Because if we're just trying to, you know, look good for Instagram. And we really don't like Instagram in the first place. We're just doing it because our friends are doing it or somebody said we should, or, you know, you got a couple likes and you're, you know, you needed that for your self-esteem, which had, had actually happened to me at times before I started doing things. And I'm like, you know what, this isn't authentic. These likes aren't going the way I want. Let me readjust this. So I say that to, to say that going back to that authenticity, that being real with yourself, trying to build that next level you, it's really important, especially in today's era with all the, all the calls in social media and just interconnectivity for you to be something else, you know, I don't know if that like uh, so much pressure to, to try to act a certain way, to look a certain way, to, to get the likes, the follows, the whatnot, how do you maintain your you know, I, I, Hey, I'm doing this. You mentioned, you mentioned your daughter. So that's a very strong baseline for you. You know, is there anything you would say to people that are like, Hey, how do you stay on your path? How do you do that? I talk 
Well, I, I was talking, I was having this conversation with my daughter actually, cause she's about to get into high school. Mm -hmm. and, and as I was talking to her about it, I told her, Hey, you know, I know you're going to have friends. I know you're going to be hanging out and doing stuff, but I want you to consider something like regardless, some of those friends are regardless going to be there and they're not going to be there after high school, like whatever, everyone does their own thing after high school. Take this for what it is, but you have to be selfish with your dream now. Like whatever your dream is, if you have one, be selfish with it and dive into it, whatever you're going to do when you get to school, because at the end of the road, once you complete whatever your goal is, whatever you complete your dream or whatever you're trying to achieve, the friends that were going to be your friends are still going to be there. The ones that weren't going to be your friends anyways, they're not going to be there either way. But the only thing that is going to be left is either the feeling of regret that you didn't do something because you were just spending time with people that were going to dip out anyways. If, if your friends are going to leave anyways and not be your friend, and you're going to recall on this time that you had a window of time to do something great and to hang out, you skipped out on that. And maybe that window is not open anymore. So I feel to anybody out there, like if there's something that you've been thinking about, dreaming about, it's a bucket list activity, it's time to be selfish right now. Like, I don't, and I don't mean selfish in a mean way, but I mean selfish in a loving way. Like do, do it for, like, do it for you. Like it's, this is a time that you're never going to get back. I, I wholeheartedly feel this way. I, I always hear time is more valuable than money. And I, and I believe that wholeheartedly too. So it, as ridiculous as you might think, maybe only you understand your dream. Let me tell you that that's okay too. If, if only you understand your dream, but it, it would fulfill you to do it, then I'd say it's time to be a little selfish and get it done. Do it, do it for yourself. You'll love yourself so much more when you accomplish it and you look back at it. And, I'm, and I guarantee you the same friends, associate, family members that were always going to be there are always going to be there. And the ones that were going to leave, they were going to leave either way. So just get it done. Just get it done. I like that. We had a guy in here, Michael Crehan, a programmer. He's like, you know, getting it done, do it, getting it started. And yeah, pushing through that initial resistance. I think that's all very key. Easy ways for us to fall off the path where it's like, we get a little resistance. We get a little pushback. Mm -hmm. Somebody throws in a negative comment after even hundreds of good comments. One That one negative comment will stick out to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... Learning to kind of love, for me, learning to love myself and what I'm doing. It's like, you know what, this may be kind of weird, but I'm going to put it out there anyway, or I'm not going to show people, not because I'm ashamed of it or anything. It's just because, hey, we're trying to present things in a certain way and not being ashamed of it, but like understanding how to market yourself properly, figure out what you're doing, go through the paces. Like I made... I made videos on here and sat down and thought, huh, this is exactly where I wanted to go with it. I'm fine with it. I liked it, but not exactly where I wanted to go. So that one may get, that video may get archived or moved away. It's still there. It still exists, but it's not refined to where I'm going. So I think it's funny in this era of just putting stuff out. I think we're getting to a place where people are starting to make those decisions more and more where you just kind of editing as you go along, but you're being authentic, right? Yeah. Speaking of that, putting stuff out, just to put stuff out. Sometimes I wonder if this is a, a time period that people are going to look back on and regret some of the really weird things that they did for likes. <laughs> oh yeah. As they get older and they yeah. look at these videos, like what was I doing? Yeah. I like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was eating what? And like, let me do the Tide Pod challenge. Oh man. Like you were doing yeah. what yeah. for someone to hit like? <laughs> yeah. No, and people like, you know, delete this stuff and they think it's gone. And then somebody reposts it. And anytime you start deleting, people are like, oh, you think it's gone? That's going to pop back up. Yeah, exactly. Funny. That's funny stuff, man. Reminds me of when Kanye, not, not regretfully, but Kanye was working with a title, putting out his album, Life of Pablo. Mm -hmm. And he had started on this new thing of just putting stuff out there and he put like part of the album. Then all of a sudden the track list changed and the order changed and people were like, wait a minute, where'd that other song go? And he was like editing in real time, like people's reactions. There were mixes that weren't like solid. And it's like, you know, why is the snare up so high on this one? And it's like, it just kept changing like every day. And I thought that was one of the most, brilliant 
kind of crazy things to watch and witness, like songs, track lists, albums changing in real time. I think, I think that about him, actually. He's yeah. Just, he's kind of like a, a loose cannon when it comes to that stuff. Like, just whatever he feels like doing, that's what he's going to go with. I dig that. Yeah, that's a, that's a, I, you know, say what you will about the yeah. person, but he's one of those artists who is really doing the artist thing. Yep. And I think that really involves art, really involves the people in the audience there. When you're really doing art, that, that separation between artist and audience starts to kind of disappear because you're channeling an energy of, of, of people you're channeling, you know, people's reactions, thoughts, feelings, and the moment. So when you're a good artist and you're really doing that, it's like, wow, I'm vibing with this. Why am I vibing with this? Cause he's vibing with me and us and this whole movement. So mm. that's what I'm, I'm still been kind of looking for, you know, just to really get in that flow. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, that's what I'm really excited about this new album for. I'm excited to perform this album that we just finished. Mm. I'm excited about our content. Um, I, I can't speak enough of it. Like, I almost feel like my head's getting bigger than when I talk about it. Cause I'm that excited about yeah. people listening to this project. So what, what should we, what's the name of it again? And what should we expect from it? So the group is called Sky Tower Click. Right. And the album is called Came a Long Way. The majority is just the three group members, which is Mac Villain, myself, Nancy O, and Hustle Mac. So there's three of us. And we have a few features in there as well, but for the majority, the album is is, is us and Mac Villain produced the majority of the album. I think we have one track by Delano Sounds, but I, I, I'm at a loss for words at the quality of this album. Like other times, I've been very happy with music that we've done, and and, and it's you know I, I like it, I love it, but this one really it's special because we did it during the quarantine and this whole this whole thing with COVID. Mm -hmm. We were able, we did it virtually. Like everybody had their own studio set up at their place. Huh. Okay. We were we were doing Zoom calls to get the vibe while Mac would make the music in real time. And in, and we're over here like writing in real time. And at one point, Mac had moved to Oregon for a short time. And he was able to figure out a software that he was able to be in Oregon and engineering the session in real time where he was hitting record on his side, but we were rapping here in my microphone. And in real mm -hmm. time, he was playing the beat in Oregon. I'm rapping here in California, but he's hearing it in real time. And he's engineering and recording this okay. in real time. So this, for, for, for as much technology that was involved in this album, it, you, you can't tell. I feel like it, it, we, we sound more united than ever. And it's more of a, a lot of topic. Uh, again, I can't say enough about it. I'm just excited for people to hear it. I genuinely am. Oh no, that sounds that sounds wild. So, do you think the the remoteness played a different? Well, I mean, how did how did the remoteness play into the way you guys create content? Because now you're like, I'm guessing you're thinking a little more individually, and then you get to take what you've got here and then bring it to the group, as opposed to you know the old school way of where we kind of yeah. wait and they come together and. I don't know. Let me, let me know about that process a little bit, the creative side. I think we got lucky that we have a vibe. Okay. I think, I think that was the lucky part that we had a vibe from the first album we did and then doing songs together throughout the years. But once this happened and we were doing it remotely, oddly enough, as long as we could see each other on zoom, I felt the same feeling in my gut. Like I felt like we were, we, I felt the same vibe. It never felt like the vibe was gone. So if anything, it felt more like a surprise thing. Because then we would all split off and write our stuff yeah. and, then, and then submit our stuff. But in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I don't want my verse to be the weak verse on this song. Like, I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm going to do my best on this track for that reason alone. Yeah. And maybe we all had that in mind, but the fact that we have topics, that's another thing. A lot of times I listen to hip hop albums now and it's just, a, and nothing against anyone making trap music or rap music or nothing against nobody. I'm just saying like, I listen to music now and it could be the same beat and just a generic rhyme about the guy, like, and, yeah. and, word, and words that rhyme together. Yeah. But I, and I always felt though, the problem with that for me was that I can get five of those artists songs and have the beat and get all the vocals and switch them around and put them down. And it's the same yeah. song. Like it's, 
mm-hmm. wouldn't know that I did that. But in this particular album, it's, it's every song is concept based. So there's no, just, just because of the beats per minute, the, the difference between beats per minute between songs, the concept, the tonality, you couldn't do that with this album. You just couldn't mm. do it. Everything was so custom made for the vibe that we wanted to create a vibe and an energy. And I think, I feel like we really pulled it off. I think that's why I'm excited about it. Oh, that's very cool, man. We, uh, at Rockstar, at Rockstar Games, they, they do cross studio kind of interactions. So I kind of relate to that in a certain way, because we had people out in Leeds, England, you know, Edinburgh, Scotland, New York, San Diego, Toronto, New England. And we started, and they introduced me to the process of bouncing around and working all the, working with all these people. So I'm, I'm definitely interested to hear this. And when's it coming out again? Hopefully I say September, probably latest October. Okay. There's, there's just a process that Universal does when they release their albums. Mm-hmm. I, I know when you're independent, you can release it tonight. Like I, like I totally get the freedom of right, that because right. we, we were doing it that way, but it, we wanted to get a taste of what this was like too. This is another bucket list. It's like, if you're a musician and it, maybe, maybe this has to do with age, but like for me growing up, you always wanted to know, like, what would that be like if I signed a deal, like with yeah. one of the big names? So for us to be able to do that now and, and follow their, their method, it's an interesting way of doing it. I'm learning so much about it, but I'm also respecting why they do it. They actually pitch the songs to these guys. They come up with a plan of how to release it, what markets to release it in, how they're going to do it. So hopefully by that process, I'm estimating either late September or sometime October, I think at the latest. Awesome. Sounds good. Omar. It's always great talking to you. I think we covered a lot of good areas. And boy, I have my little list here, as I always do. Just like, hey, this will be good to hit on, hit on. I think we really bounced through a lot of good stuff. Was there any other areas that you wanted to kind of jump into or talk about? No, just again, it's great to see you every time, man. I hope to see you at the next Comic-Con. Oh, definitely, man. I got to get back out there and do do the con thing. As I said, it's funny. I'm showing all these old pictures from like all the other cons. And I realized that I, since I grew my hair out and I started doing the social media thing like this, I haven't been out to the cons as much. So I'm like, oh man, I'm missing an opportunity. This is, this is golden. Yeah. Next con, next, next con in San Diego. Let's link up. Let's meet up. I got some food spots. I got to take you to, we'll make it sushi so that I'm not breaking the rule. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. In San Diego, I might have to do the chimichanga again because I can't find good Mexican food like I did in San Diego up here. Oh, man, you're going to have to break that. Do you have a passport by any chance? I think it expired. Yeah, get, expired you, get, get, get you the passport because I got an, a phenomenal sushi spot that I want to take you to in Mexico. What? It's not, yeah, it's not far from here at all. Amazing spot when you come mm. down here. I'll take you down there. We'll go have some, some food down there. I, I think you're going you're gonna to dig it. All right. Sounds good. Well, definitely thank you and everybody who joined in and people can find you obviously here, here on your Instagram. Where else can they look, look for you? Yeah. So the Instagram handle is Omar Tega 55, but also our website is skytowerrecords.com, skytowerrecords.com and our record label is Sky Tower Records. So again, look out for Sky Tower Click, hopefully September, October. And I, I swear to you, we're just too excited for you guys just to listen to this album. Yes. I love it. Omar, it's been good talking to you. Um, once again, Hey man, we're gonna have to do this again next year. Catch up again. Sure. Talking to the thing. I like the fact that you open up by the way, the, the Benjacon experience, because you know, having you on in on a Monday is kind of cool. You set the tone. Everybody else is like, oh, okay, now I got to keep up with this guy. So <laughs> thanks for having me. It makes it fun. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. All right, man. You have a good one. Talk to you soon. Peace. And you see, this is the part where it gets weird because I don't know how to like exit out. There's a little X on your side. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, everybody, thank you for joining in. This is the first of several interviews that I'm going to be doing for Benjacon. As I said, we get together, I get together with people I've met in the time over the years. If you have any questions about who's coming up, what's going on, how can you get involved or whatever, let me know. I've got some other surprises coming down the way for the week, but as always, appreciate Omar Ortega. Nastio Sky Tower Click for coming in, dropping some knowledge and setting this thing off.
that's going to be it for today. Make sure you follow along. And also the podcast episodes are actually going to show up on Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera. A little bit after I may, I may wait a week, whatever, but they're not going to always be here on Instagram. So be sure that you're following along on the podcast and check me out at mrbenja.com for more information. Thank you, everybody. Peace. Oh, J&J Entertainment Group. What's up, man? How you doing? Nice to see you all here. And I'll be back tomorrow and the rest of the week until Sunday. And tomorrow we have Dr. Kia Robotum. First time I've ever had family on. This could be interesting. I'll see you guys later. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit MrBenja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.